Canada has to electrify. Now the question is, how do we do that at the lowest cost and as fast as possible while being within the constraints of supply chains and physics? Welcome to our new Siemens Canada Accelerating the Future podcast series. Here, we will shed light on the disruptive technologies that are shaping our world now and for the future. Today, we are talking about the hot topic of electric mobility with our host, Lindsay Brown, Siemens Canada's Smart Infrastructure Marketing Manager, and our special guest, Teresa Cook, the VP of Smart Infrastructure Sales and Country Business Development at Siemens Canada. So Siemens has a long history of innovation. The evolution of transportation began with the company's introduction of the world's first electric railway in 1879. And soon after that came the invention of the electric generator, followed by the first electric trolley bus in 1882 and a four-seater electric car in 1905. So Teresa, in your opinion, how has Siemens Canada evolved in this space? Yeah, Lindsay, we really are on a journey of evolution together with our whole society when it comes to e-mobility. When we talk about charging for uh, vehicles in Canada, one of our first big milestones was working with the airports, actually, on as they were buying electric buses. And we supplied, uh, through a partnership with an airport bus company, uh, electric airport bus, we supplied those chargers. And so we actually have quite an installed base of electric chargers in our Canadian airports. And from that base, we then grew into the transit space in overhead charging. So overhead charging of electric buses. And we were the first to install an overhead, what's called pantograph, kind of a fancy word, but pantograph charger, two of them in Montreal. And those were the first in North America. So really proud about that accomplishment in 2017. And so those have been allowing transit buses in Montreal to run electric buses since 2017. And we've been getting a lot of learning out of that initial pioneering experience. From that point, we then broadened out as part of a a really interesting interoperability, pan-Canadian interoperability trial. We broadened out into three different locations where we're also doing pantograph charging for transit. And again, a, a huge learning together with our partners. And then I'd say the next frontiers for us are where we're already active on passenger charging, passenger vehicle charging on the AC side, and then moving beyond transit to commercial vehicles where we've just deployed our first truck chargers and then into school bus and even e-highway for trucks. That's great. Sounds like we have a very broad portfolio in all of our e-mobility technologies We're talking about this customer or this consumer shift and consumers are looking more and more for green, sustainable methods of transportation. So I was looking at some studies and in 2020, like battery electric vehicles have accounted for more than two thirds of new vehicle registrations. So how is Canada preparing ourselves for the shift? Canada has to electrify. There's just no way to meet the greenhouse gas targets without electrifying transportation. So now the question is, how do we do that at the lowest cost and as fast as possible 
while being within the constraints of supply chains and physics. So the first thing is that we have a lot of good pieces in place. We see that the vehicles are coming. Consumers are getting more and more excited. There's more and more of a cool factor. There's more and more of charging infrastructure available. And there's sales targets. The government is putting incentives and targets in place. So certainly the momentum is coming, as well as, very importantly, funding programs, both for buying the vehicles, be it for consumers or for private owners or or public owners, as well as for the charging infrastructure, which is a, a big, big part of the equation as well. We do have challenges ahead, though. This is going to be an ambitious task for sure. Some of the challenges that we especially see here at Siemens, I mean, obviously grid vehicle availability is, is going to be one of the constraining factors, actually being able to buy those vehicles, whatever class we're talking about. The next thing is the infrastructure. So be it our home where we have to upgrade a panel or a depot where we have to do a massive megawatt update potentially. That having that capacity, the cost to do it, the planning to do it, the time to do it, the coordination with the utility is going to be a big piece. And then the kind of the business case around the the tariffs, the costs of the electricity, and how do we optimize those costs so that we're not just adding these huge loads and then having to build tons more generation to meet another peak demand, but how do we optimize the whole grid so that and we're building to just what we need. And that's that's a hardware and a planning problem. And it's also a software, something that can be helped with software. Some of the other challenges are just around skills. Is This is a whole new, amazing and fun um, challenge that it requires a lot of multidisciplinary understanding. So we need people who understand electricity. Maybe there are people who understand understood fuel in the past and now understand electricity as a fuel, who understand digital systems, and then who understand fleet operations. Like how do you actually manage a bus fleet or a truck fleet? And so these people, everyone has to transform and learn a little piece of the puzzle. That's an exciting opportunity and also a big challenge. And then the other ray of hope or like very big got a force in our favor is the many Canadians working already together and passionately on this topic. I want to point out groups like QTRIC, um, the Canadian Urban Transit and Research and Innovation Consortium, of which Siemens is a member and I'm a proud board member there, which is really pushing the envelope on how to innovate transit, be it electric, hydrogen, autonomous, And also another very great group in this space is Electric Mobility Canada, which is also exploring all of the different parts of the supply chain and all of the different classes of vehicles and and the utility piece that are required, as well as the, the political and lobbying pieces needed to get everyone on the same page. Because ultimately, this is an ecosystems challenge, and we're only as strong as our weakest link. That's a great point, Therese. I think like we're we talk so much about the energy transition as a whole, but it's not that one person or one party can do it alone. It's that that broader ecosystem we talk about and how industry and academia and government and research organizations, we all need to come together to really tackle this challenge and tackle this growth in Canada and globally. 
So what do you see as like what sectors when we talk about industry, what sectors do you see there's the most potential growth for electrification? If we look at the kind of from the vehicle class segment, we see there's a bit of a transition. There's the light duty where the vehicles are already have been available, are coming to become more and more available. And so that's kind of the first and the easiest in some senses because the charging is AC, it's not as heavy duty and somewhat lower cost to to install and get out. So I think that's kind of the lowest hanging fruit. Of course, we need the pr- we need the vehicles to be available. We need the price to be affordable for Canadians. The high gas prices will, you know, helps in that in that balance. But that's that's one track. Then the next track is transit. Transit seems to be the next frontier where we've already, like I said, been doing pilots since 2017, and we're we're moving into more and more. The, the industry is scaling up in terms of the solutions. And I I'd say we we're moving from you know the indoor herb planter to the community garden phase of transit electrification. And then the next will be the last mile delivery because those delivery trucks are not doing the huge distances, but those um, smaller distances. And wouldn't it be nice to have the packages that we're all ordering delivered with an electric vehicle? And then after that, it'll be the larger and bigger and heavier, heavier trucks, but also equally, equally exciting. And in special applications like mining, it would be just amazing also for the business case to have these underground mines that have to have so much balance of plant HVAC to clean the air. Wouldn't it be, you know, be just so wonderful also for people's health to have electric vehicles down in those mines? So there's a lot of interesting use cases on the horizon and and that hopefully will be coming. And the other imperative is just simply 40% of the greenhouse gases from transportation are from medium and heavy duty vehicles. So there's no choice. We're going to have to electrify them, not to mention the air quality issues, right? Because none of, we don't want to sit in these beautiful outdoor cafes with this air quality of these vehicles. It's in a journey. It's exciting. And it's going to be step by step as each sector becomes ready. That's a great point, Teresa. So when I when I shift from my hat as a Siemens employee, but to, as a consumer, you know, I think about my behavior and what I can do to be more sustainable and more green. So that might be, you know, being more cautious and conscious of traveling and long distances and using gas vehicles. So how is that consumer behavior Shifting not only like the electric vehicle car market, but all of the other shifts, like how is it impacting companies and their action plans to shift towards like zero emission fleets? Well, I think whether it's in our personal lives or in the corporate world, ESG, you know, environmental sustainability, all of these topics are are so front of mind and becoming more and more of an imperative, whether it's out of a sense of personal conviction or simply out of understanding the costs, the costs of not solving this problem. So I think once we fully recognize the long-term costs of not solving this problem, it also becomes an economic imperative. And I think we're slowly kind of having that realization. But of course, the basic realities stay in place. We cannot be stranded on the 401 in a snowstorm and not have power. And that's true whether you're a truck or you're a mother with three children. And we also can't have the fear of being stuck. So we've got to get through that, make sure that we all feel with every class of vehicle, with every owner, 
that we have a reliable, that this system's going to work. Okay. And if there's a power outage, we're still going to be able to get transit buses out to get people to work. That if I'm driving with my kids and I'm in a snowstorm, I'm going to have enough charge to get home. And I have to then also be able to afford, be able to afford and buy these vehicles. And I know because I have a minivan and there's no reasonably priced electric minivan for kids, for families, right? So it's, it's just simply there are real barriers still today that we're going to have to go through, but we can see it's, it's coming, it's coming. So as business leaders, we have to prepare and we have to start breaking down the obstacles that we know are going to be there, which is from a Siemens perspective, grid optimization is probably, you know, the, the biggest challenge where I think Siemens can really add value because we understand how do you optimize a utility system? How do you optimize distributed energy assets? How do you optimize charging and shift the load or smooth the load? How do you have a microgrid so that you have resiliency, which might be at different scales, which might be at the depot, which might be at your home, which might be in other places? And how do you knit this all together so that it is the fastest possible to deploy at the lowest cost while remaining green, while staying resilient? That's the challenge that Siemens can help solve. I like how you're just talking about all the different factors and the microgrids and the vehicle to grid and and having that sustainable power. I'm just remembering the recent announcement of the Ford F-150 Lightning that has that vehicle to grid capability. So is that something that we're seeing as being more prevalent or will be coming more um, relevant in the market? I mean, Lindsay, wouldn't you love to have a minivan that also powers your house during an outage? Absolutely. Right? OMG. So I think we want that. We want, as mothers, we want our home to be sustainable and resilient. And we want to make sure that we have systems in place so for the well-being of our families. And that's, I think, what everyone wants, whether you're a business owner or family person or whatever. So I think vehicle to home is just another flexible part of the value stack. And the protocols have to mature, right? We're not totally there yet. A lot of vehicles don't offer it. There's questions on how to manage the battery life if you start to do this. It's still going to take a little while. But the vision is that we've got all these batteries out there and we can utilize them in a profitable way. There's got to be an incentive. Like if you're going to let it, maybe you're going to use your home battery so you're good. You don't mind that it degrades your battery and it's your home. If you're going to let the utility use it, okay, you might want a little payback for degrading your battery. Okay, we'll figure that out, right? And then over time, this is all optimized. Definitely tying it all into the energy transition, energy management, shifting the peak, the load, managing that load appropriately. So what do you see, Teresa, as like pros and cons as a consumer? Well, I think the pros are that, you know, you get a vehicle that hedges you against gas price, doesn't pollute the air. I mean, my kids are like, why do you put a stinky gas in this that burns and pollutes? Like, they just don't understand why I would, why do I do that? And I really hope that in the future, they'll look back and go, that was really funny. You did that. That was bad. Like smoking. Like, why did you do that? There's a cool factor, but I think that's only for those early adopters, right? At the end of the day, for the mass market, it's got to make economic sense and it's got to be easy and it's got to not be something I'm afraid of. 
and it's got to be something I enjoy. You know, there's the, also the driver experience. A lot of people say they really like even truck drivers. There was a, a really cool study run on less um, in the U.S. and the drivers actually really loved it. And it's a retention factor for drivers. So maybe it'll even make me like driving better. That's the ultimate challenge. So I don't know, but I haven't driven an electric truck because there's no electric minivans. And then on the cons, I think it's just like, well, there's no, there's not the right vehicles unless you're like, you want to drive a Tesla or like a Boulder. There are some vehicles, right? But it's not all over the place. You've got to live somewhere where you can put a charger, first of all. And a lot of people who want, who are aligned with the values of electric vehicles are actually not in places where you can put chargers. So we have a big challenge on that front. And then once you, you get your charger in, well, that's great, but you've got to be able to charge on your on your journey. And I know my dad drives, he's a very early adopter. He drives long distances and you'll have to wait in lineups to charge his car to finish the trip. And I don't think we want to be at that point. We really need more charging infrastructure so that we're not waiting, waiting in line. So as soon as there's an electric minivan, Teresa, we'll be, we'll be racing out there to get that electric minivan. That costs costs less than a hundred K, right? Like that's, that's a reasonably priced, let's say minivan. And then our kids will look to us that we're, we're creating this sustainable future and we're passing on a greener planet for them. So when we're talking about like road transportation, you're talking about the bigger trucks and fleets, like delivery fleets. I was reading a study um, that's saying like the road transportation accounts for 13% of global carbon emissions. How can we in Canada really take that into consideration and with electric mobility reshape the future for Canada? I think we're, we're on the right track, Lindsay. We're doing the right things. We're mobilizing the key players in these groups like Qtric and EMC. Our governments are setting ambitious targets. They're putting the incentive plans in place. I'd love to see all the provinces stepping up. Um, right now, it's a little bit piecemeal across the provinces. But I think it's it's going to come. So once we have the policy, the incentives, the funding, we need the technology. So we need to be doing that investment in R&D and in scaling. And then the volume also will pull the technology and then the service as well. And then we'll scale up. The industry will scale up. We're talking about health and sustainability. You're talking about electric vehicles and mines and that air quality being so much better with electric vehicles. How is that that drive playing a role in the electric mobility shift? Yeah. So in Electric Mobility Canada, we wrote a white paper on why, why should you electrify medium and heavy duty transportation like? So why is the GHG, which we talked about, and the number two reason is the air quality. And the stat I have here is that it's Air quality is 15,000 premature deaths per year in Canada. And I mean, it's just also reality. We know like the the smog and the dirt that's in the air. We've come a long way, um, especially in Ontario. But still, when you sit on those downtown streets, on those cafes, and that bus goes by, you, you smell it, you feel it. And that's going into your lungs. And that's causing those deaths. So we I think air quality is something that we can all very much like intuitively and physically relate to and cleaner air is just good for us and more pleasant and also like a higher value place to be when the air is cleaner. So I think that's, that's a big imperative. And then the third thing is just, this is a massive economic opportunity. Everyone knows that. So there's huge global competition. 
So now if Canada wants to really step up, Canada has done some good things in terms of creating the market conditions. There's also been some good investments in the battery space because that's a big part of the value chain, the mining, and then the transformation of those raw materials into battery cells and then the assembly from the battery cells into the battery systems. So all of that value chain, there's a global competition for that whole value chain. And so Canada has to continue to be aggressive to get that. And then the vehicle manufacturing, again, Canada being fairly aggressive, but it's not just about cars, it's about buses and trucks and all the different kinds of vehicles. So there's just so much economic activity surrounding this whole space that we can really tap into. And if we don't, someone else will. So we really have to stay on top of our game. So I think to kind of wrap it up, we're in this transition, we're all in this transition together, the energy transition, the electric mobility transition. From what I'm hearing, Teresa, it's really this ecosystem. We all need to work together. We want those sustainability goals. We want to have cleaner air, less greenhouse gases. So it's really this working collaboration between all of these groups I'm seeing from industry, academia, from government, from the fleets, the transit, reminds me of a a quote from an African proverb that if we want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, we need to go together, which I think is really valuable. We really need to go together to accomplish this this transition. Absolutely, Lindsay. And we need all the stakeholders at the table. And at the same time, we have to go fast at the same time because we have a kind of a, a crisis situation and our mother earth is getting very irritated with us. And she's showing us in different ways that we better get it together. Otherwise, she's going to like put our unicorn in the shredder. So I think it's time to make a move. And we're going to have to each one of us be very courageous and make those moves, take some risks, find the ways to make the risks less risky, and just keep an open mind because no one has the golden solution, no one person. So it's going to be a bit of storm norm perform. But I think because we share this common reality, we're going to make it together. Well, thank you, Teresa, for all your insight today. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast today on the ever-growing industry of electric mobility. For more information on Siemens and our portfolio of electric mobility solutions, please visit siemens.ca slash emobility. And stay tuned for more Siemens Canada podcasts. Let's transform the everyday together. Mm -hmm.